The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. Business Unusual brought to you by Workforce Staffing. Is your business simply surviving or are you thriving with Workforce Staffing's leading agile staffing solutions? Colin Cullis, uh, innovations, disruption in the transport sector. Now, drunk drivers are a catastrophe, a menace, and in addition to having a death wish of their own, are prone to impose that death wish involuntarily on others. How do we fix it? Well, thankfully, uh, one of the parts of the trillion-dollar um, infrastructure bill that has got Senate approval in the U.S. includes uh, an undertaking for the U.S. Transport Department to have car manufacturers be compelled to devise technology, use devices or create technology that will prevent or reduce drunk driving significantly. Now, when I saw that, I thought that is that is not a bad thing, but I was surprised because it doesn't seem like something that we only now realized was the problem, or to my mind, we have only recently been able to try and address. In fact, if you consider Generation Xs, and I'm a Generation Xer, then they can fall into two groups. One of the groups instantly recognizes this TV soundtrack. Beyond 2000, survival food. <laughs> okay. Do you recall it? No, yes. You remember it? Okay. Yep. So I, uh, that used to be that used to be staple watching for me as a teenager. And I recall seeing an insert on Beyond 2000, early 90s, uh, of somebody who had demonstrated a car that had a breathalyzer in it. Before the car would start, you'd have to blow on the breathalyzer. I remember so, that episode. I do. Right. So, so what's crazy for me is that in 2021, 30 years later, the U.S. government has got to compel car manufacturers to say, guys, we really need something to stop people driving their cars when they're drunk. Something we had a solution for 30 years ago. And the notion of our car being a traffic cop for me is a bit of a no brainer. But and I have to apologize to car enthusiasts because not, not the first time I'm picking up on car enthusiasts versus what drivers or the rest of us need for people to be safer on the roads. Because even in that insert, they realize there'd be somebody who say, oh, you can jimmy the system. Have your passenger, in fact, they even suggested getting your child to blow the breathalyzer <laughs> for you. Now, if, if you're willing to do that, you've got much bigger problems than just being willing <laughs> to drive under the influence. Um, but the, the deal was you might have had somebody at the point where you were leaving uh, that if you were at a pub or something, they'd say, no problem, there's a designated person who's going to blow on the breathalyzer for you and get you on your way. So what these cars required is five minutes into a journey, you'd have to do it again. Now, you're not going to carry somebody along who isn't under the influence, only so that you can drive while under the influence. And, of course, this is still back in the early 90s. Uh, GPSs and all those good things weren't able uh, enabled yet so the car didn't know if you're barreling down a freeway and you blow the breathalyzer and you know you're over the limit it's not going to switch the car off that would be very very dangerous so instead what it would do is it would flash the lights in a pattern that would announce to everybody you you're driving under the influence they leave the car driving as per normal they'll just make the lights flash in which case any police officer and certainly any other road users would say oh yes give this guy a wide berth he's definitely not in a state to drive it we didn't have it 
And the reason almost every time is because of us. Car manufacturers won't make things to make us safer if we don't want them. And ahead of the show this evening, although it's very encouraging to see ahead of the show, I asked uh, of the four options about how we could address this, making your car a traffic cop. Would you rather have a breathalyzer in your car, a 0% blood alcohol levels, neither of those, or both of those? Encouraging that 21% said they'd like both. The winner was breathalyzing the car, 38%. 0% blood alcohol levels came at 21%, but a good 20% still said neither. And again, if you are a car enthusiast, and, and, and I've never met a car enthusiast who doesn't rate safety as being important, it's just that when I ask them, so would you then agree to having a, a breathalyzer? No, 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 no. That's, that's not necessary. That's going to, there's accuracy problems. There's reliability problems. You couldn't possibly have that. They say the same things when you're talking about putting speed governors on them or just making it the car won't start unless you pl- uh, put in your safety belt. That is the simplest thing to do. We know you're safer with a safety belt on. We can make the car not start if the driver hasn't got their safety belt on or if they take it off that the car will effect- effectively, you know, pull to a, pull to a stop. And so, again, the, the, the challenge is car manufacturers won't do this because they won't sell cars unless somebody compels them to do it. And then the question is, why would lawmakers not be willing to do this? In every single country, the stats for how many people die on their roads, definitely not a good strategy for getting yourself reelected to have your constituents die in traffic accidents. And, and worse, uh, they lose a lot of money having to go and fix up accidents and, and deal with the snarl-ups that come as a consequence of this, of this happening. So it really is uh, kind of bizarre sometimes that, that this is the level we get to. But again, and just to go through the psychology as to how we get ourselves into this position or, or, or why sometimes it does happen. Because the other thing that I maybe unfairly tease uh, car enthusiasts, enthusiasts with, certainly the older ones, because if you ask a young uh, person who's about to get a car, would you be getting a manual or an automatic One, they either wouldn't care or they'll say, get an automatic, one less thing for me to do. I want to drive a car. I want to get from A to B. I don't care what gear it's in. But older drivers seem to think that, you know, you have to have a manual because that's how you get more fuel efficiency. And back in the day, that was a thing. But seriously, all of that technology has improved to the point where the car is going to be better off choosing what gear you should be in and to get maximum traction than you sitting with a clutch and a gear stick in your hand. And so, again, it's kind of surprising sometimes that people won't let that go. It's a bit like saying uh, windscreen wipers should only be fully manual. So you'd have to sort of click a switch to make it swipe every time. The fact that we still have a windscreen wiper in the first place, as opposed to, hey, the cars can detect when there's water on the screens and they can detect how much water it is. Just turn on, wipe it away and stop when, when there isn't anything. And I mean, they can do that tomorrow. But the reason is they can try to sell it to you as a very fancy and and model. Or again, we have this crazy notion that we need to have control about these things. And the final point that really makes it kind of disappointing is if you had to ask the average, well, let me say the average driver, you ask any driver if they rate themselves as being uh, a below average driver, an average driver or above average driver, too many will say they're above average, which means at the very least they are average because that's how it works (laughs) or worse they are below average because typically people who, who who don't understand how incompetent they are at doing something have an overestimation of their ability. This is the old Dunning-Kruger thing. And so our worst drivers fancy themselves being the best drivers. And there's probably a correlation there then between people who think, I've just had a few drinks, but I'm fine to drive. Or the kind of people who say, I'm a very good driver, so I can speed. 
And the third one that is just the worst thing on South Africans' roads is somebody who says, this guy's driving slowly. I'm pretty sure I can overtake him on this solid line on a hill, blind rise into the sun. And then they'll give it a go. And so the notion is, how can we prevent somebody doing that? So right now we've got laws, very strict laws that say if you get bust uh, uh, under the influence, that is a serious limitation on, on your future career, your ability to drive, uh, the ability to look after your family, let alone you could have killed somebody or yourself. So all of that legal stuff is in place for any rational person to say, okay, well, then I definitely won't do that. The real win would be say, can we get to the point of not putting somebody in the position where they have to be caught in the first place? And the, and the thing for me that was quite surprising with this is I figured, is this a modern thing? You know, we've got these amazing cars, which I think in time we will look back and say, wow, one of the weirdest, silliest things we ever allowed humanity to do was let them take control over those massive, powerful machines capable of doing tremendous harm and saying, fill in this form, reverse it a couple of times in a, in a parking lot, and then we'll, we'll, we'll release you on the world and go and see what you can do. So in trying to find out, well, when was the first drunk driving conviction? I was able mm-hmm. to find the records. For one in the UK, London, taxi driver, George Smith was his name, <laughs> who on the 10th of September rode his car drunk into a building. That was in 1897. So this is by no means uh, a new problem. And you might think, ah, but the hassle was, how did you know you were drunk? You'd have to walk along lines or recite the alphabet backwards and all these crazy things. Well, the breathalyzer was first devised in 1936. It was refined in 1956. And these days, the sensor that is used, it's called an MQ3 sensor, retails for less than 100 Rand. And it is super duper accurate. It's not to say that uh, they couldn't be more accurate and they can get false positives. This is half the reason why even if somebody does get a breathalyzer test, they still want to do a blood alcohol test, a blood alcohol concentration test for, for a conviction. And that, that adds to the problem as well, because now that you've got somebody who ostensibly was driving in a way that certainly, you know, they weren't, they weren't fine, but to get them convicted because it's a very strong, a very severe sentence, you have to prove it 100%. The cost and the time in order to do that notwithstanding that even if you if you don't prove the conviction, you've, you've seriously caused a lot of trouble in their life. This is hardly a productive way for society to spend its time doing these things. And so surely, if when I get into my car, I, I, I use a system, and, and there are multiple that have been come up with beyond even the breathalyzer, there is a version that will have an, an air induction system seated just above the steering wheel that can detect just from your regular breathing and just from the driver the mix of uh, alcohol molecules, so the ethanol in the carbon dioxide and the air. And when the, enough carbon dioxide is detected to say, ah, this is breath, it will then check for um, the, the percentage of alcohol that's in there and tell when that's over for a, for a breathalyzer test to be able to determine that. The start button on the car or the steering wheel itself can be f- fitted with a similar sort of thing that we use for blood oximeters or the little uh, watch devices that tell your heart rate that when they shine a light through your skin, the light of blood with a percentage alcohol in it will, will, will reflect just a little differently than alcohol without it, or so blood without it. And so they can detect it that way. Then they've got cameras that can face you. And by looking at, you know, you're nodding your head or not focusing on the road, multiple sensors can tell all those things. And it's not to say that those sensors only need to do one thing. They can test all sorts of other things. So if the camera is watching you and you're falling asleep, it can assist you and keep you awake. So for a car manufacturer to say these are all... Um, safety devices built in in one go, and they have all these multiple things, then that's surely got to be the way we've got to go. Add to the fact that um, you put a, a, a mobile phone effectively in the car, so the car itself is enabled. It can handle things like speeding, the number one 
uh, reason. 50% of fatalities in South Africa are as a consequence of speeding. 20% as a consequence of overtaking. And a GPS tracker to show you how often you're driving recklessly or dangerously might first report it to you, get you to slow down, get you to be aware that you're not doing the right thing. And if you don't, uh, you know, acknowledge it at some point, report you, report you to the authorities, have the car manufacturer or your insurance company be made aware of this so that you're going to get a, a, a tougher time being able to get car insurance or, or whatever else. And perhaps the best thing to do is once we've got this happening, so you've got the traffic cop in your car and you've said, well, I don't want that. Move for authorities to say, we will uh, reward you with lower license fees or potentially even uh, you know, part of a lottery maybe that you'll get a, a, a share of the pot if in a given period of year, let's say every year, if you haven't got any fines or anything that, that shown you've been driving poorly, you'll get a shot at getting some of that money and, and collectively putting all those things together so that the, the car safety features aren't going to get in your way, but will keep you safe would be way better than having to try and catch somebody or wait until, you know, there is a horrible accident and somebody has to be informed that somebody has died for us to solve this. So if the U S is away, we can try and see if they can get it right there. They've got two years to come up with the devices and they've got some of them. They've got three years to implement it and a maximum of 10 years before they have to go back to Congress and say, sorry, we failed. But hopefully South Africa can take a leaf out of their book and perhaps we can look to do something similar here. Protecting us from ourselves, Colin Cullis this evening with Business Unusual. Innovation and disruption to transport is what the topic was.